Open your Bible to 1 Samuel chapter number 17. 1 Samuel chapter number 17. Everybody's familiar with the story of a young man named David in the Bible, especially if you went to Sunday school at all because you, uh, uh, you learned the song uh, where David fought Goliath and he would put a stone in his sling and it would go uh, and one little stone went into the sling and the sling went round and round. And it was just a great song and uh, uh, just teaches you some foundational things. But before David ever got to Goliath, some interesting things happened. Number one, uh, he was actually anointed to be the next, the second king, the next after a guy named Saul, the next king of Israel. Now, interestingly enough, he was not anointed uh, at the anointing ceremony, or excuse me, he was very late to get there, because while everybody else was trying to get God's attention uh, by combing their hair just right and by being uh, 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 the, the best looking and all those other things, David was just out working his land. He was out tending the sheep that his father had entrusted him with. Uh, so David was out tending his sheep and all of his other brothers, uh, the prophet named Samuel, had come to anoint the next king. And the Bible says that Jesse, which is David's daddy, had lined them all up and was saying, which one of my boys would you like to anoint to be king? Because as soon as he's king, I'm not paying taxes anymore. Somebody say amen. Anyways, uh, so David wasn't asked to come to the ceremony. So Samuel walks by and goes, not you, not you, not you, not you, not you. He's not here. And Jesse says, what do you mean he's not here? You know, give him another look. And Samuel says, wait, listen, guys, I've been doing this a while. I'm the prophet of the Most High God. He's not here. Do you have another son? And they sent and fetched David. And as soon as he walked up, Samuel said, that's the one. And he took a horn of oil, a horn filled with oil, and he anointed him. He said, you are going to be the next king of Israel. Then the Bible says the guy that he was going to uh, uh, take the place of, Saul, uh, he had this, this uh, spirit of anxiety and frustration that would come over him. And, and he was like, man, I wish there was somebody who could just play some powerful praise and worship music like I hear at New Heights. Because when I hear that music at New Heights, I just feel better. Somebody said, well, there's a little boy who plays the, plays the, the harp. They said, well, why does he play the harp? He said, because the electric guitar hadn't been invented yet. So he plays the harp. And he said, man, he just plays that thing like a jam. They bring him in here. So uh, David comes in, and when David, the anointed king of Israel, would play his harp for the man he was going to replace, wow. That spirit that bothered Saul would leave, and David would uh, 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 just give all kind of peace into the atmosphere, into the room. And Saul liked him so much that he made him his armor bearer. He, he, he carried the, the king's armor. He took care of things. He was uh, like a cupbearer of sorts, where if he needed something, he would just, hey, man, yeah, I'm that guy. I'll help you with it. So much so that he sent word to Jesse's house. And he said, Jesse, he said, man, I know uh, that you love your baby boy, uh, but is there any way he could just stay with me for a while and, and I'll, uh, you know, I'll take good care of him. He'll eat at my table and, and all these things. So David became a, a member of, of of, of Saul's house, literally. He was, the, he was, the, uh, uh, he was the, the armor bearer. He took care of him. He was the musician. He was serving the man, listen to me, that he knew he was going to replace. Sometimes in your life, you've got to serve somebody even though you know they're not going as far as you're going to go. Because in the right season, in the right time, God is going to raise you up and all those promises that are yes and amen are going to come to pass in your life. 
But on the exact opposite side, if you try to supplant too early, if you try to go too early, you can plant all the seeds you want, but if you don't plant that seed at the right time, you're wasting your time. So David uh, becomes the, the armor bearer and all these other wonderful things. And then the Bible says that there was a guy uh, named Goliath. Everybody's heard about Goliath. He was seven foot tall. My brother who just stood up right there is six foot seven. Somebody say, give me a break. I'm five foot nothing and a half. And he's six foot seven. He could have given me four of his inches, still been six foot three, and I would have almost made six foot. Come on, somebody. Goliath, seven foot tall, champion of champions, walks into a valley, begins to curse God, tell the Israelites that I'm going to kill every one of you. I'm going to kill your children. I'm going to do all these terrible things. I'm just, if you'll just send somebody to fight me, then, then, then uh, we'll just settle the thing right here. But all the Israelites were terrified. So what happened is uh, Jesse, who had sent two of his other sons uh, to go, uh, sent two or three of his other sons to go to the battlefield and help the Israelite army, uh, because uh, God, there's a special place uh, in God's heart for soldiers, for military people. Somebody who goes and bears somebody else's burdens and literally puts their life on the line. It's one thing to talk about. It's another whole thing to do it. So these two or three young men, they go out, and Jesse gets to the place where he's a little bit worried about his sons, and he wants to check on them. So what he does is he has David. Uh, he says, David, I want you to go take uh, 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 some, some food to your brothers, and I want you to take some food to the captain of their host. So uh, beginning around verse number 20, the Bible says uh, that David was told by his dad to take uh, uh, ten uh, uh, blocks of cheese to the captain of the guard and to take his brothers uh, some corn and some bread. So uh, uh, let me stop right there for just a second. There's something that honor can do for you that you cannot do any other way. He said, son, I need you to go feed my sons, my other sons, feed your brothers. But I want you to take uh, this other gift, this, this cheese, I want you to take that to the captain of the host. Because when the spirit of honor gets on the inside of you and you begin to walk that thing out, here, here's what happens. Here's what happens. Very interesting. What happens is you begin to realize it's more important for you to honor them than it is for them to be honored. It has more bearing on your life for you to honor them than it has on their life that you have honored them. Uh, let me put it in other terms. The very first person who's willing to apologize is the bravest and the person who gets set free the fastest than the person who holds the grudge. The person that you apologize to doesn't even necessarily have to forgive you for you to be set free. You just have to repent. You just have to apologize. Now all of a sudden you're set free. We don't see anywhere in the Scripture where it says he had to take cheese to the captain of the host. He's just a man of honor. No wonder the king wanted him around. No wonder the king uh, liked Jesse. No wonder Samuel liked Jesse's house. No wonder God said, I'm going to find me a king out of Jesse's house. Because this is a place where honor exists. Honor will take you places that nothing else in your life will. Verse 20. David rose up early in the morning and left his sheep with a keeper. It's an important thing right there. He had a job to do, but he still made sure that the rest of it was done. Matthew 23 says this. It says, you should have done this but not left the other undone. So many times, Christians especially, they use their calling. And if anybody's listening to this online, so I'm speaking into the stratosphere now, when I say calling, I'm making those little quotation marks with my finger. 
Christians use their calling to try to justify not doing something else that they ought to be doing. So they leave one thing undone and they then decide to go do the other thing. The job that, da- that David had to go feed his brothers and to go make sure that the captain of the host was blessed was a wonderful job, but he did not beguile or he did not uh, 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 forget about his other job to do this job. Sometimes in our lives, we find ourselves so concerned about getting one thing done that we forget about the other. And for the record, that's the kind of person that people, uh, 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 if you followed and you take uh, uh, 10 really successful businesses, really successful people, whether or not they're in a career or otherwise, the bulk of them are going to be very concerned about not getting one thing done, but rather making sure that nothing in the equation is undone. So David goes to go and take care of his brothers, but in the process, as he's going to take care of his brothers, as he's going to the battlefield, he makes sure that the sheep that he's watching over for his dad are taken care of. And so he goes just like Jesse uh, commanded him. And he came to the trench. He came to the battle place. As the host was going forth to fight and shouted for battle for Israel, and the Philistines had put the, people, put the battle in array, army against army. They were, they were lined up, ready to fight. David left his carriage in the hand of the keeper. The carriage ran to the army and came and saluted his brethren, asked how his brothers were doing, and he talked with them. And here's the deal. Behold, there came up the champion, the Philistine of Gath, Goliath, by name, out of the armies of the Philistines. And he spoke according to the same words, and David heard them. Can I put that in 2015? He said the same old stuff he had already been saying. Can I just ask you, why are you surprised at what the devil keeps telling you? Why are you surprised when next week it feels like uh, uh, something's coming against you? Why are you surprised whenever uh, the enemy says you're not going to make it? Why are you surprised when the enemy says you're sick and you're going to stay sick? Why are you surprised when the enemy says you're not going to have enough? You've never had enough. Your mama didn't have enough. Your grandpa didn't have enough. Why are you surprised? He's saying the same thing he was saying to David. He's saying the same thing he was saying to uh, Jesse. He's saying the same thing that he said to my family. He's saying the same thing that he's going to say to your family next week. The the question is, are you going to listen to the voice of the enemy or are you going to listen to the voice of Almighty God? Because what God says is if what God's Word says, if He be for us, then who can stand against us? There's something about this kingdom that's much more radical than most Christians want to talk about. There's something about this kingdom that's much more combative than most people ever get to. But if you've ever been to the front lines, you'll find out why people want to go back. Because on the front lines, do you get hit? Yes. On the front lines, do you get bloody? Certainly. On the front lines, do you see things that you wish you could unsee? Almost all the time. But on the front lines, you don't have to read about the victory. You don't have to hear about the victory. With the two eyeballs that God put in your head, you get to see the victory. There's something different about living for God. There's something different about serving God with gladness. Why are we surprised when the devil says the same stuff? 
Maybe you didn't know it was his voice. Let me just tell you how to weigh it out. Number one, it's either God, you, or the enemy. That's it. God, you, or the enemy. How do you measure it? Is it telling you that I love you and I believe in you? Come back to me. Run to me. Uh, come to me. And, and, and I'm a strong tower. You can run to me and you'll be safe. That's God. Is it telling you anything else? Now it's a maybe. But if it is causing you to be fearful, if it is telling you anything in your life that leads to death, if it's telling you anything in your life about destruction, if it's telling you anything in your life about taking something from you or anything adverse happening, it is the enemy of God, the voice of the wicked. And if you will set your mind on the things of God, he must flee because the Bible says when we resist the devil, resist the devil, then he's got to go. What he is is crafty. What he's not is persistent. So David gets there, and he comes out, the Goliath, and he begins to say all the other things that he said, but, 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 but he messed up, see? Verse 23, the last three words. David heard them. What have you heard in your family that you know beyond a shadow of a doubt is an attack of the wicked? Number one. Number two, what are you doing about it? Are you thinking about it? Are you meditating on it? Are you wondering when something's going to change? Or can some righteous, holy, combative language begin to flow out of you? And change your whole situation. All the men of Israel, when they saw the man, fled and were afraid. Anything that makes you scared is a great indicator that it's something you have to conquer. I'm not talking about spiders. Listen, let's all just take a moment and thank God that spiders can't fly. Because spiders are crazy. But anything in your life that's causing you fear is an indicator that it's a giant that you need to destroy. And can I just say this, parents? If you don't, your children will fight him. One of my best friends just got delivered from alcohol and tobacco. His children will never know that burden. They'll fight their own devils. But they'll never know that. Anything that causes you a little bit of fear, anything that causes you a little bit of angst is a good sign that it's something that you personally are going to have to fight in your life. And number, uh, verse 25, the men of Israel said, Have you seen this man that's come up? Surely to I, Israel, he's come up and it shall be that the man who kills him, uh, the king will enrich him and give him riches and will give his daughter and make his father's uh, house free in Israel, which means not have to pay any taxes anymore. Verse 26, and David spoke to the men, saying, What shall be done to the man that kills the Philistine? 
So David's walking up. He's like, hey, hey, sir. Sir, I got you some cheese. Here's some cheese. Hey, Bubba. Hey, Bubba. Come here, Bubba. I, I got you some, I got you some corn and I got you some bread. And dad wants to know how you guys are doing. And he hears this guy. Oh, God of Israel's no God. And, and God, is, and he's just yelling at David. He's going, yeah, yeah, yeah. Everything's going good. And God, he, David hears the, 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 the giant and he hears the giant. And then some, some soldiers around go, did you know whoever kills that giant is going to be made super rich by the king? And not just super rich. He's going to get to marry his daughter. Not just get to marry his daughter his daddy won't have to pay taxes anymore and david's going so bubba how's anything going and then david goes what did you say are you trying to tell me that if i go kill that guy the king's gonna bless me i get to marry his smoking fine daughter and my daddy doesn't have you know how much my daddy paid in taxes last year my dad and i you tell, can I just say it a different way? There is a reward for living for God. There is a reward from heaven for you fulfilling your destiny. There is a reason to live for God. If streets for gold of gold were the only thing we were going to get, that would be plenty. But he says a hundredfold in this life. Strength, grace. Could you imagine, David, just, hey, here's some cheese, and here's some bread, and here's some corn, and everything's going good. And all of a sudden, he starts to hear about the reward. I'm all for salvation as a stepping, as the first step. But if all we preach is salvation, then we're going to leave a lot on the table. David spoke to the men and said, whoa, 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 whoa. What shall be done to the man that does this? Take away the approach from Israel. For who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy, that he should defy the army of the living God? Who is this thing that's come against your family? What is this circumstance that's come against your house that it should defy the armies of God? The world paints the picture so corrupt. It paints the devil out like he's some slick suit wearing rascal that tucks his tail in and lays his horns back. And he's the one who's trying to bless everybody. And he's the one who wants to give you a party. And he's the one who wants to help you. And if you, you, know, if you just serve the devil, you'll get this and you'll get that. And they paint God like he's some kind of a stingy overseer that's trying to stop everything from having fun and stop everybody from having anything good. Well, aren't you glad the world doesn't have the final say on what the word of God says to the body of Christ the devil is not the one who wants to bless you there is nothing you are missing out on by living for God there is nothing that that you are uh, somehow some way going to bypass or not be able to access if you happen to live for God instead of living for the devil on the exact contrary the same God who flung the stars in the sky told the water how far to go and told the mountains how high to grow out of the ground is the same God who Monday through Sunday wants to open the windows of heaven over your life and pour out a blessing that you cannot contain but the world says that's the devil wanting to do that can we just all take a Pentecostal moment and say that is the stupidest thing I've ever heard so David says who is this guy why would he be able to stand there and say that and the people told him hey man it's Goliath verse 28 Eliab, 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 his oldest brother, 
heard when he spoke and said, Eliab's anger was kindled against David. And he said, why would you even come here, man? And who did you even leave to take care of those little bitty sheep? We're soldiers. You're supposed to be tending those few sheep in the wilderness. Who did you even leave? I bet you didn't even take care of them. Don't you remember when we first started reading in verse 20? It said, and he made sure that his sheep were taken care of. He did this, but didn't leave the other thing undone. His brothers were against him. His brothers were against him. You can deal with the persecution. And if somebody at Kroger wants to call you crazy for believing God, you're fine with it. But what I want to know is, can you deal with it when your family starts talking bad about you? Can you deal with it when people in the body begin to persecute you? Can you Deal with it when family members begin to talk nonsense about your life. When they begin to talk and curse the calling that's on your life. Can you deal with the family side of things when it comes to living for God? Because David, he's just minding his own business, doing what dad said. I'm going to go feed my brother. They just brought him some, he just brought him some food. And they got this huge issue with it. He said, I can't deal with that. What are you even doing here, David? Why are you even here? David. The one who was tending sheep the day he was supposed to be anointed. The one who was not even invited to his own ordination service. David. Who just fed his brothers. David. Ridiculed by the ones he loved the most talked about by the ones who should have been his biggest cheerleader. His biggest support team. And David said, what have I done now, 29? Is there not a cause? And he turned from toward them. Let me tell you what to do. You just got to find a way to turn and give that message to somebody who will receive it. So he turned and went toward another. He spake after the same manner, said the same thing. People answered him again, told him what the king would do. And the words were rehearsed before Saul. In 32, David said to Saul, I love this part. David says to the king, which he already knows because he's his armor bearer, let no man's heart fail because of him. Your servant will go and fight with his Philistine. Sounds great in King James. And I love King James. But here's what he said. Don't worry, boys. The kid is here. I will fight the giant. Could you um, I have a little boy? He's six years old. He's the kind of little boy you got to turn down, not turn up. <laughs> okay, okay, little buddy. Uh, he, I'm going to tell you what he told me last night. This morning, actually. We're eating our eggs. I love to cook them eggs in the morning. We're eating our eggs. He said, Dad. I said, what, buddy? He said, if I was ever riding on a deer, <laughs> this is true, I can't make this up. If I was ever riding on a deer, if it was a buck, I'd ask you for my knife. I said, what would you do with that knife? He said, I'd kill it. And then he says to me, you would too, right? Took another bite of my egg. Said, you better believe it. <laughs> oh, I love my children. Sweet Crystal woke Walker up this morning. First words out of his mouth is, Mom, 
You destroyed my dream. Oh, I love babies. So picture my six foot seven brother standing on one side of the valley. My six year old boy. It may not have been quite that extreme, but it was something close to it. Goliath was a champion. And here comes David. Don't worry, boys. It's over. I got it. I'll fight the giant. Could you imagine his brothers going, please, David, would you just shut up for like five minutes? Can I tell you, you're the David to your family. Be David even if they don't know you're David. Just be David. Just stay in your lane. Just do what God's calling you to do. Just live by faith. If God wants you to fight the giant, He already gave you the victory. Fight the giant. I'm going to be real quick. (laughs) Don't worry, boys, I got it. I'll fight him. You destroyed my dream. Saul said to David, You're not able to fight this guy. You're just a kid. He's a man of war since he was a kid. David said unto Saul, Your servant kept his father's sheep. There came a lion and there came a bear and took a lamb out of the flock. Remember what Jesus said. Jesus said, if I got a hundred sheep and one of them strays, I'll leave the 99 and go get the one. David, the man after God's own heart, realize whether it's a lion or whether it's a bear, if they take a sheep, they're taking my sheep. And I will not stand for it. Some of you guys are trying to figure out, what do I do? I got a loved one who's lost. I got a loved one who's, who's gone and turned away from God. Here's what you do. You go after them. How do you go after them? You put one knee down. Then you put the other knee down. And then you put your hands together and your head down. And you say, oh God of heaven. Go get them. And so this lion and this bear came, king. Took one of my sheep, one of my babies, one of my lambs, and I went out after him, and I killed him, and I delivered it out of his mouth. And when it rose against me, when I took that sheep out of its mouth, and it came after me, I caught him by the beard, and I killed him. Your servant killed the lion and the bear. And this uncircumcised Philistine will be just like one of them, seeing he has defied the armies of God. 37. Moreover, moreover, which is to say, besides that, likewise, I killed a lion and I killed a bear because they were trying to mess with my sheep. But besides that, The Lord God that delivered me out of the paw of the lion and out of the paw of the bear, He will deliver me. He will deliver me. Come on, somebody. He will deliver me out of the hand of the Philistine. And Saul said unto David, Go, and the Lord be with thee. Saul had no idea. I bet David was going, Bro, he doesn't even know. God is with me. He anointed me when nobody else was looking. 
The same God who delivered me from the lion and the same God that delivered me from the bear will surely and certainly deliver me from the Philistine. I don't care how big your giant looks right now. The God who delivered you last time is the same God who's going to deliver you this time. And guess what? He's the same God that's going to deliver you next time. We just need somebody to believe. Saul armed David with his armor, put on the helmet of brass upon his head. Also, he armed him with a coat of mail. David girded his sword upon his armor and essayed to go. And he, but he hadn't proved it. David said unto Saul, I can't go with these, Saul, king. I can't go, king, for, for I haven't proved them. And David had put them off. Some of you feel like, I wish I felt like I had more security. But God's saying, no, 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 no. I'm going to need you to be able to move. I'm going to need you to be able to flow when I want to flow. I'm going to need you. Some of you feel like you want more structure. Some of you feel like you want more rigidity. And you've tried to implement it. You've tried to implement the structure and the rigidity. But God said, no, 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 no. You can't move like I need you to move. When you're tied up in somebody else's calling. You can't move like I need you to move when you're worried about how somebody else moves. And he took his staff in his hand and chose him five foot smooth stones out of a brook, put them in a shepherd's bag, which he had even in a script. And his sling was in his hand. He drew near to the Philistine. The Philistine came on and drew unto him. And the man that bare the shield went before him. And when the Philistine looked about and saw David, he disdained for him, for he was a youth and ruddy and a fair countenance. He was a good-looking kid. The Philistine said to David, Am I a dog? That you would come to me with staves, with sticks. David, remember he carried his staff. The Philistine cursed David. Verse 44, the Philistine said to David, Come to me and I'll give the flesh to the fowls of the air. The beast of the I'm going to cut you up, boy. Then said David to the Philistine, No, 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 no. You come to me with a sword and you come to me with a spear and with a shield. But I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts and the God of the armies of Israel, whom you've defiled. This day will the Lord deliver you into my hand, and I will smite you. Take from your head, I will take your head from you, and I will give the carcass, your bloody carcass, to the Philistines this day, and unto the fowls of the air, and the wild beasts of the earth, and all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel. And all the assembly shall know that the Lord saves not with sword and spear, for the battle is the Lord's. The battle is the Lord's. And He will give you into our hands. And it came to pass when the Philistines arose, drew nigh to meet David, that David hasted and ran towards the army to meet the Philistines. To meet the Philistines. I'll paraphrase the rest. And one little stone went into the sling, and the sling went round and round. The Philistine came towards David. And David took off running. Some of you guys, there's a giant in front of you that's walking towards you and you're just backing up. You're just backing up. You're just backing up. Oh God, protect me, protect me. And God's going, can I find somebody who will run into adversity instead of away from adversity? 
He runs after the giant and he reaches down. Because here's the thing. The giant said, you're coming at me with a stick. What am I, a dog? And David's got the staff. See, that's the thing that you can see. What you can see is the smile on your face. What you can see is the way you walk. What you can see is the way you talk. But the secret weapon hidden deep down somewhere on the inside of you is the rock of ages that if you will put your hand around that rock, if you will grab that rock and begin to trust that rock, then it doesn't matter how large the giant is in front of you. It doesn't matter how large your circumstance is. The victory is yours because it belongs to God. Goliath said, you come at me with sticks. And David's like, he don't even know. I'm not going to use this stick. Listen, you got a secret weapon. If you'd like to see it again, I'll show you. Oh, God. Deliver me. Save me. Let your servant be set free one more time. Took the stone, slings it. Pew, pow. It's the giant in the head, of course. He falls over, he cuts his head off, carries his head to Jerusalem. I'm out of time. God, I'd like to preach this. Carries his head to Jerusalem. But he said, no, no, boys. Put his armor in my tent. Just four chapters later, we'd find that David used the very sword that Goliath carried to protect himself in his future. The giants you beat today give you the weapons for your warfare tomorrow. Everybody stand to your feet if you would. I'm done teaching, but just stay like this. Maybe you. See, David, he had a story. Nobody knew all of it. But it was riddled with testimony. And it was riddled with knowing that the same God who anointed him would deliver him again like he'd done Time and time again. So when David could have doubted. He chose to believe like our. One of our favorite apostles Paul wrote. In Romans 8. I see the giant. I see the problem. I see the issue. But I am persuaded. That neither death, nor life, nor principality, nor power, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature can separate me from the love of God that's in Christ. For me to live is Christ, for me to die is gain. Bring the giant to me. When's the last time you prayed like that? God... Is there a giant that you would like killed today? Because I'm your man. God, this giant that's attacking my family. Can you equip me? Can you move this mountain out of my way? Joshua prayed like this. If you would just give me a little more time to fight. And we just went out of the fight. Oh God, I don't want to fight anymore. Joshua's going, just just hold the sun still. I'll kill them all. God's not looking for a passive church. 
He's looking for a church so filled with power that the devil would not dare, would not dare to raise a hand against it. Close your eyes and bow your heads. If you're in the building today and you don't know God,